1: From the Milton Metz studio in the Radio TV building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm your host, Bob Zaltzberg from WFIU, WTIU News. Today we're talking about the impeachment inquiry launched last month uh, into President Trump. Right now, the House Democrats and the White House are at a legal face-off as the House Democrats requested the White House provide witness testimony and documents for the inquiry. The White House has said it was not required to comply with that request since there had been no official vote to open an inquiry. Today we're talking about uh, the history and the process of impeachment and how this political um, battle might play out. With uh, four guests, five, four guests at, at five guests actually, <laughs> four at each time. So our guests for the first half of the program and for the full program are Steve Sanders, professor at the Maurer School of Law at Indiana University; Jerry Wright, professor in the Department of Political Science at Indiana University; and Jim Lucas, an Indiana State Representative from District 69 and in Seymour, Indiana. Lee Hamilton is joining us by phone for the first half of the show. He's a former Democratic Congressman. In the second half of the show, we'll have Andy Downs join us. He's a political analyst with the Mike Downs Center for Indiana Politics. If you want to join us on the program, you can call us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. We have two uh, clips we want to play first. One is Nancy Pelosi, uh, the House Speaker. The second one will be President Trump. And this week, the president has admitted to asking the president of Ukraine to take actions which would benefit him politically. The, action of the, the actions of the Trump presidency revealed the dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella of impeachment inquiry. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law.
2: What the whistleblower said bore no relationship to what the call was. We have a transcribed call done by professionals. The whole thing is a scam. It's a fix. And we wrote a letter yesterday, and... Probably ends up being a big Supreme Court case. Maybe it goes a long time. I don't know. But the Republican Party has been treated unbelievably badly and unfairly by the Democrats, John. But again, sir, if
3: they held it, vote,
2: a
4: vote in the full House and the vote were to well, authorize, I, yeah, would, you co- okay. would you cooperate?
2: Well, we would if they give us our rights. It depends. If they vote and say you can't have lawyers, you can't ask questions, you can't have anybody present, all of these crazy things
1: well we're at a political standoff. I want to ask uh, Steve <laughs> Sanders first from the law school, so Im- impeachment I mean, can you just kind of talk us through what that step is all about? Sure, I- impeachment
4: is provided for by the constitution it 's one of the powers that 's given to the uh, to the legislative branch in article one and it's understood that this is not a judicial process. this is a political process, and by that i don 't mean that it 's to be used for partisan advantage by one side or the other. it is that that, um, the decisions, the judgments that are supposed to go into impeachment are not limited to whether the president broke a particular federal law, violated a particular federal statute. It's whether the president has been faithful to his constitutional obligations or whether the president is a danger to the constitutional order. Uh, the criteria for impeachment are broad. There are treason, bribery and other high crimes and misdemeanors. High crimes was generally meant to be not... To denote the seriousness of the crime, but to denote uh, that this was a crime, again, against the office, against the constitutional order, against something high and important in our system, not a sort of petty crime. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, one of the concerns that ran through the founding era and the writing of the Constitution was um, concern about foreign influence in the United States, the possibility that some foreign prince or foreign... Uh, despot might have influence um, over our legislative process, over our president. So it, it it does seem to me that the subject matter of this impeachment inquiry, at least, is is well within the spirit of what the framers would have intended. That's not to prejudge the outcome, but just to say the subject matter itself does not seem to be
1: illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Jerry Wright, anything to add to that?
2: Uh, No, I agree with Steve that it's not a legal process, that it's a political process. Um, I look at it as a political scientist and as as what the politics of this are. And it seems to me that the ultimate judge, and I think what members of Congress and the media are really looking for, too, is what the public opinion uh, and how that unfolds on this. Regardless of whether the president is impeached or not, there's going to be an election in 2020, and that's going to have a, a big impact on public policy and what Americans see the government doing and right now, I think it looks rather grim for the president. There's a, a, at least four factors that make it look like impeachment is more likely. Impeachment in the past has really kind of the consequences electorally have followed public opinion. In, two, in, 19, in uh, 1974, it was a disaster for the Republicans. They lost big big seats in 74 midterm. And then uh, uh, President Ford lost to Jimmy Carter in '76. In uh, 1998, Bill Clinton was – the public was opposed to impeachment. The Republicans went ahead with it, and uh, it was one of the first times that the president's party didn't – I mean did lose seats uh, – did not lose seats in the uh, off-year elections. Looking at it right now, the public opinion is swinging strongly, at least short in the short term, towards – Favorable impeachment, a majority now, and and some of the polls say that the public thinks the president should not only should we have impeachment proceedings, but the president should be removed from office. This is happening in public opinion much earlier than it did for the case of Richard Nixon or with Bill Clinton. So uh, that's one factor. Another um, is that the uh, the White House is not taking a compromising position at all. I mean, as you mentioned in your opening remarks. Uh, They said they're not going to cooperate at all, and they're really throwing down the gauntlet, seemingly asking for and requesting that the House have a vote for impeachment, which would seem to be contrary to the president's uh, calculations. Why would he want to vote now? And I think the logic may be is if you have it now, even if it goes unfavorably, he still has the Senate with him. He's not going to be convicted. But who knows what's unfolding? And as this process goes on and on and more evidence like the the, uh, gold traders – uh, from the Ukraine yesterday that just got arrested, uh, that were working with Giuliani on influencing the auction and violating campaign finance laws. It's more that, if there's more to unfold, the Republicans have to to worry about that. The President has to worry also about not holding all of his Republicans together. They're going to start seeing this and saying, you know, it's time to jump ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, there's a real calculation. And the final fourth factor I think is simply the President doesn't give on anything. He's not going to take a position and say, oh, I didn't really mean to say that. What he said is it was a perfect phone call. And so, in each case, he, he digs his heels in and makes it really impossible for the Democrats uh, to reach a compromise without seeming to capitulate. Mm-hmm. So, I think right now it's looking difficult.
1: So, Jim Lucas, you're a, a Republican member of the Indiana um, House of Representatives. And so, you know, you've know heard these two talking a little bit about this. And you know from your perspective, do you think the president is in trouble? What do you hear from your constituents and how about is your
5: party, you know, solidly behind him? Oh, I can't speak for my party, but you know, the only thing you can do is look at this with reason. You know, uh, truth, facts, reason, and logic are one of the things I like to say. And this is, this is a hot mess of a dumpster fire that Nancy Pelosi started by playing with matches. Um, what are they impeaching President Trump on? And I get that it's a political process. Um, which is, uh, you know, if it is a political process, which it is, it, it needs to be handled responsibly. And this has been handled irresponsibly from the very beginning. You know, Speaker Pelosi come out and announced an impeachment without even looking at anything. The next day the president releases transcripts, unredacted, which I have here in my hand, basically asking um, the new Ukrainian president to look in the corruption, the known corruption, that everybody has acknowledged, and that even uh, Joe Biden himself acknowledged. You know, he did something. He told them, hey, I'm going to hold this money unless you fire that prosecutor. Now, if that's not a quid pro quo, I don't know what is. So President Trump basically did his responsibility as a president, asking another new president who had committed to fighting corruption just as he had to look into corruption— that at the very least um, could not pass, you know, the smell test. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, I mean, the, the Democrats, since they've taken over the House, they have just been itching to do anything to make President Trump look bad. You know, we had the two, two-year 2 Mueller investigation, which turned up absolutely nothing, okay, as was predicted. Um, they come off of that, and now they had to find something new. but. Um, I, I will acknowledge, and obviously with, with two professors here, impeachment is a political process, but it has to be done responsibly and nothing of the sort is surrounding this this process uh, right now? To
4: answer the representative's question, the president is being investigated and may be impeached for soliciting the aid of a foreign government to interfere in an American election. That seems pretty squarely the kind of thing you would say goes against our constitutional order and is something that a president shouldn't be doing. Um, again the, the the House and the Senate can judge that but uh, but but that that is the grounds, and I think the circumstantial evidence shows that the lengths to which the White House took to cover up this transcript to put it on a secret server. They so released people, it the next day. But but before they were forced to release it, before it came to light, they, hours. They, they put it on a secret server. Numbers of people around the president expressed alarm at this. It's unredacted. And so it, released and so I, the next day. And so I think, it well, and, and that was a, a service the White House did so that all of us could see exactly what he was doing, was saying, you need to do us a favor.
1: All right. You guys will be here for the full hour. We only have Lee Hamilton for another 12 minutes. So, Lee, I want to bring you in Uh, on the conversation. So you were there for um, when President Nixon was nearly impeached, and you were there during the impeachment um, hearings for President Clinton. So, you know, your perspective on this whole process of impeachment and the seriousness of it.
3: Well, I don't know. This discussion so far has been a little too political for me. Uh, (laughs) I don't know that I can participate in all of that. But I do think you're right to say that, uh, this is not an ordinary agenda on the item of the, con- on the agenda of the Congress. Uh, impeachment is a very serious matter. You are trying to remove from office a person who has been duly elected by our constitutional processes. In other words, you're turning your back away from democracy as we envision it and try to follow it under our Constitution. That makes it an extremely serious step, and the calls that have been made here for fairness, thoroughness, it seems to me, are absolutely appropriate. This is a very complicated process, And it has not—we're not following a a careful playbook here. Most of the rules with regard to impeachment are made as we go along, because we just haven't done it very often. I was present in the Congress when we uh, impeached Bill Clinton, and uh, then he was not convicted when it went to the Senate. I was not present, of course, when Andrew Johnson was uh, indicted. If you were, it. articles of impeachment approved, but he neither was he convicted. So we've never impeached a president. That is, we've never convicted a president of uh, high crimes and misdemeanors uh, to the point where he has to step aside from office. The Whole process is extremely complicated. Uh, we have, as Nancy Pelosi referred to, an investigation going forward now. And the purpose of that is to recommend or not recommend articles of impeachment to the full House. They've not yet voted on that. Uh, presumably they will soon. If that full House votes on articles of impeachment, uh, then the president is impeached which is essentially the equivalent of being indicted. Um, the findings are determined by, if the findings are determined to be insufficient evidence of wrongdoing, the president remains in office. If the findings are determined to be sufficient, the House then has the vote on the floor on one or more articles of impeachment. And then it goes to the Senate, assuming the House uh, votes for those articles of impeachment. Less than a majority of the House votes to impeach, Trump remains in office. If a majority of the House members vote to impeach, Trump is impeached. And uh, the articles of impeachment at that point move to the Senate. And uh, they hold, in effect, a trial and take a vote. And it's interesting there to specially note that they have to have two thirds or more of the members present uh, voting to convict. So the process is, as it should be complex. I hope it will be a process marked by fairness. The final thing I would say is this, it's not just the president and the speaker who are on trial in a sense here, but the system is on, on trial. Ken, we're in a stressful time in our politics. Uh, People have lost confidence in government. The government is gridlocked. It's not doing very much. All kinds of reasons for that. But the the most obvious thing about public opinion is they don't think very highly of the Congress or its members and and neither the Senate or the House. So we're in a tough environment. And in that environment, nothing could be better than to have the House and the Senate handle this impeachment process seriously, I hope impartially, as much as possible. I'm not naive about that. Politics are going to play a big role, obviously. But I think members have to make a special effort to get beyond the politics, to put on the... Best hat they can for impartiality and seriousness and uh serve the public interest in that manner
1: um lee hamilton could could you sort of turn back the clock to the Bill Clinton investigation and you know talk about the uh divisiveness of government then versus or the political parties then versus now. I would assume that that there was quite a bit of divisiveness at that point. You know, we talk about how divisive things have become today. Can you, you know, recollect what was going on, you know, in the country at that point when um, the House decided to impeach uh, the president and the Senate then didn't convict?
3: Well, I must say I I get a little amused sometimes. People talk today, is this the first time we've ever had politics in the Congress was today? Uh, That's not quite right politics has been very strong at any time in the history of our country as far as i can understand it it certainly the politics was very strong at the time clinton was uh, impeached now the one thing i want to say about the clinton situation is quite different from trump and it's a major difference really i don't want to discount the personal misconduct of president clinton it was egregious. It was an awful example to the to the country, especially our young people, of what a person in high office should do. But it was personal misconduct. The uh, impeachment does not go, at least in my mind, to the question of personal misconduct. The impeachment goes to the question of Uh, not carrying out your duties as a public official in an appropriate manner, faithful to the Constitution. In other words, it's a public crime, not a crime necessarily, but a public offense, and uh, not what Bill Clinton was impeached for, which was misbehavior in personal matters.
1: All right. We're going to let you go now, Lee. I appreciate your being here with us. Uh, Lee Hamilton, the former in, uh, Democratic congressman from Indiana, thanks for joining us today.
3: Thank you, Bob. All, All the best to you. Right. Thank you, my colleagues.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir. Jerry Wright, I wanted to ask you, so you were talking about um, some of the recent public polls. Um, you know, is this, Was this kind of surprising to you? And, and where, where are these polls coming from?
2: Well, the polls uh, are—there's a whole bunch of of, uh, national polls that are pretty good quality. Uh, The website 538 does a good job of aggregating these according to the best scientific standards we have. They're absolutely excellent. Uh, So it's not relying on any single poll, but sort of the drift of what's happened in public opinion. One of the things that if you look back about the questions about impeaching President Trump— that goes on is it's been amazingly close since last August. There's been dozens of polls, and it's just recently that it's flipped, and all of a sudden they're talking about it. But it's been pretty close uh, all along. Uh, so now that's 53 percent uh, in the USA Today poll yesterday said uh, that they were in favor of impeachment and removal, and only 49 percent. Uh, 43 percent against uh, that. Car I think, Use the Synchrony Car Care credit card for everything I your car apologize.
0: needs to stay yeah. on the job. What door. am I
2: hearing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're hearing Steve's phone. So.
2: Uh, and so I think it's that drift in public opinion and, and, the, and the direction of it that's that's really surprising. The thing that struck me and uh, compared to the Nixon era is how public opinion has flipped there was a lot of the wrongdoing during the nixon administration that came out uh and public opinion didn't move very much there was not 50 percent in favor of impeachment until right at the very end and trump's just pretty much the beginning of talking seriously about impeachment it was already over that uh and who knows if there will be i would guess there'll be more information coming whether it'll be solid or not uh it's anybody's guess Right now, but it, that's certainly uh, worrisome going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to get, couple that, looking forward to the election, the president's uh, approval ratings, unlike previous presidents, which have gone up and down a lot, has been really remarkably unvolatile. He's been stuck right in the low 40s, the upper 30s, all the way through. Uh, his base is solid, and that's who he appeals to. Uh, but he's not made any much of a, an effort to extend uh, to the middle or certainly to to the left at all, Uh, and that leaves him with a a strong majority of disapproval. And so going into the election without some change in strategy and the information on impeachment getting worse, if I was a Republican, I wouldn't be very comfortable today.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. We're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we're going to have uh, more from Steve Sanders, a professor of the Maurer School of Law at Indiana University, and Jim Lucas, Indiana State Representative from District 69, uh, Jerry Wright, the professor, a professor in the Department of Political Science, who you were just hearing from, and we will be joined also by Andy Downs, a political analyst with the Mike Downs Center for Indiana Politics. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from WFIU and WTIU, and we're talking about impeachment and the process and the politics behind it, the history of it uh, today with – Four guests are going to be here with us the second half of the program. Steve Sanders, professor at the Maurer School of Law at Indiana University. Jerry Wright, professor in the Department of Political Science at Indiana University. Jim Lucas, an Indiana state representative for representing District 69. And he's from Seymour, Indiana. And also now joining us by phone is Andy Downs from the Political Analyst with the Mike Downs Center for Indiana Politics. Andy, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. Let me give our phone numbers again, and then we've got, we've got a question for you. So 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also tweet us at Noon Edition, and uh, you can also um, get to us by – well, where's our email address? Uh, yeah, I'll give you the email address later. All right. Um, so I want to talk to Andy Downs now. Andy, we've been talking about um, the whole process of impeachment and, you know, you're an analyst. I mean, what's, uh, what's your take on whether this impeachment inquiry is going to go forward? And, and also, you know, in terms of Indiana politics, what are Hoosiers saying about it?
6: I've been listening to what the others had to say about this and I think they've covered a lot of the basic information so I will maybe try and move forward a little bit in in terms of time and I think for a lot of people they're thinking about 2020 rightly so there's an important election that year Uh, but as we've often said in the past six months is a lifetime in politics and I think in the current environment six months might be two or three lifetimes And and so by the time we get to anything in 2020 This may be not only yesterday's news, but last week's news or something even further back than that. For me, the question starts to become then, is this an issue for 2019? Because we're now less than 30 days before municipal elections, uh, and those elections matter quite a bit. As you look around the state, most people focus on the bigger cities. They look at Indianapolis or Bloomington, Fort Wayne, South Bend, et cetera and they wonder what the effect might be there. But a number of those races have sort of played themselves out already. Uh, But that does not mean that the people who are running for city council seats, et cetera, are not trying to take advantage of the environment and identify normally disaffected voters and motivating them to come out and vote this year, let alone what they might do in 2020 or out into the future.
1: So how do you think that will play out? Do you think that uh, that this will help? Republicans who are running for city office or Democrats who are running for city office?
6: I think it could actually help both. Uh, it, it, what we do know is that the, the more polarized nature of discussion these days has a tendency to ignite partisans and turn off those in the middle. And because of social media and other advances in technology, campaigns are better able to target voters, which means they can do it sort of quietly without the other side knowing – uh, the full nature of their campaign, this is not like when we used to just look at television commercials and say oh they 're targeting this demographic or that demographic. We knew that because we could see the commercials it 's harder to see the stuff that goes on sort of quietly under the radar and um, so depending on where a council member is located, if they 're able to identify disaffected voters who are who are motivated because of what 's going on, then this certainly could help them out. Uh, But when you start looking at city council districts, you're quite often looking at districts that are so small this can be done not only through uh, social media or other targeting methods that are electronic uh, or direct mail, but also can be literally just door-to-door knocking and finding out where people stand on issues. So it's really – it's available to anybody who chooses to use it I think is the best way to think about it.
1: Okay. So if you have a question or a comment, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indiana org. Jim Lucas, you are um, a member of the Indiana legislature. You, I assume, you are going to run for re-election. So in sure. I love it. Yeah. So you love campaigning. I mean, how would – what do you see? Do you see impeachment as a campaign issue?
5: Absolutely. Um, both parties, I, I want to be on record as saying, I believe, I personally believe both parties in D.C. are absolutely corrupt. They're just different sides of the same coin called corruption. Um, so right now, you know, your question, does this affect locals? Um, the easiest way to look at it this way is which party is the least unhinged? And right now, hands down, it's the Republican Party. I mean, when you have a uh, Speaker Pelosi bringing up impeachment, which is a very serious political, you know, issue, bringing up impeachment on a an anonymous whistleblower who did not follow the process, who is just just now recently being discovered, worked for uh, Pre- or Vice President Joe Biden. Okay, he doesn't go through the process. He uh, gives us information based on hearsay. And then Speaker Pelosi jumps all over that, and that within 24 hours, President Trump releases the transcript, which we, any person committed to intellectual honesty can read it for themselves and determine. You know, if the polls are that such a slam dunk showing this is impeachment, why aren't they moving forward with it? And that's all President Trump, I believe, is asking. He just wants a fair shot. You know, go through the process, do it the right way until the Republicans can call witness where he has due process. And where it's a transmit, it's a transparent process. But we're not seeing that. And, and you know, polls don't concern me. Uh, we saw poll after poll after poll showing Hillary Clinton going to win. You know, by ninety five percent. So, and, and polls can be worded and to arrive at any conclusion you want to. So, um, in, in today's absolute corrupt um, atmosphere of, of playing gotcha. Uh, a person just has to set all that aside, and, and the biggest challenge is, is wading through all the smoke and mirrors.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Jerry Wright and, uh, and Andy Downs, to talk about polling a little bit.
5: Yeah, I, I really have to disagree with the
2: representative on that strongly. The polls have a very, very – they're not political advocates. They're commercial enterprises. They have very, very strong incentives to get it right. A poll that is favoring one candidate or party or the other is going to be shown up for that and disgraced, and they're going to be discounted. Uh, for what they want, which is supposed to be a legitimate hearing of what the public uh, feels on a particular issue, in this case impeachment. And the, so far, as the evidence has come across, the public has found, uh, unlike the Mueller committee, which was muddled and people couldn't make sense of it, uh, the president's request for help uh, on with from Zelensky in Ukraine to investigate the Bidens the public sees is clearly beyond what the president should be doing, and that has clearly tr- triggered a change in public opinion. So uh, it, it, the, the polls are, are telling us what they are. We may not like it. We may think the public is, is misunderstood. They've been hoodwinked, or as the president likes to say, uh, they've been uh, fooled by fake news. Uh, but those are, that is how public does feel, and my job is to try to figure out how they feel and what it likely is for the consequences for the elections. One thing I would say uh, to the representative that we have found that has happened, say, increased since 1992 uh, uh, when, the, when uh, Clinton, I mean, 98 when Clinton was uh, impeached was that there's been a really strong tightening of uh, partisanship around election results. And so whatever the fate is, and that means that people are voting up and down the ticket, uh, either straight Democratic or a straight Republican, much less split ticket voting than we used to have, and which means that whatever happens in the impeachment in terms of favorability or lack thereof for President Trump is going to reverberate down the election all the way, I think, to the representative's uh, district. So, I mean, there is reason to be concerned. Um, and I think that this, uh, as uh, Down said earlier, uh, the election has, has big consequences. I think it will have consequences for 2020. I think we can see six months in advance, but that remains to be seen.
1: Can I ask a follow up to that? I, is there a difference between polling on issues like this and polling on a particular candidate? Because I think in the last election, I think some of the polling or some of the polling seemed to be different from the results of the election.
2: No, they were not <laughs> that, that, that was just purely misunderstood. Hillary Hillary Clinton won the election. She won it by with three and a half million votes. Uh It's the quirks of the way our constitution is set up with the electoral college that allowed since day one uh, Trump uh, to win. And the best best uh, guesses were ninety five percent. It was uh, five thirty eight said when. I think that every expert, Republican, Democrat, and other expected Hillary Clinton to win. The, the Trump victory was a surprise across the board.
4: Well, and the other thing, and Jerry can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. polls are about probabilities. Yes, the poll said there was a 90, 95 percent, whatever chance Hillary Clinton was going to win. Sometimes the person with a 5 percent chance ends up winning. I mean, if you've been to Vegas, you know that the
5: odds are against you, but sometimes you beat the odds. And if these polls, why aren't they proceeding forward then? I mean, if they have all this public opinion behind them, how come Nancy Pelosi won't pull the trigger and say, hey, let's, let's formally start this process the way we've always done and let's move forward and give the Republicans subpoena powers? Let them, you know, have the same – play with the same deck that the Democrats are, and let's move forward. I, I embrace that.
2: Mm-hmm. Would you, well, there, this, is, this is an interesting set of political calculations that are, that are going on. The president, in asking for that vote that, uh, for, uh, to actually open the inquiry, uh, was risky. Uh, and Pelosi seems not to be rushing into it. Not if what, he didn't do anything the, wrong. What could be the logic of it? And I think right now is the president still has a solid Republican majority. Nancy Pelosi thinks – may well think as time goes on, that's going to unravel. So time is on her side. The president would like to get this wrapped up quickly behind him before the 2020 <laughs> vote uh, gets going. At least that's one logic to explain both why the president's in the unusual position for asking for an impeachment and Pelosi is going to say, well, let's, let's wait on this a little while. I think things are going to get better. Um, both are taking a calculated risk. let go with
5: Jim and then Steve. I, I couldn't disagree more respectfully. Uh, I think President Trump, it's in his best interest to drag this out because the proof is out there. Read read the transcript. Read, and I'm going to read this one paragraph where uh, President Trump. The other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution. And a lot of people want to find out that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. Biden went around bragging that he stopped the prosecution. So if you can look into that, it sounds horrible to me. And here we have in Biden's own words. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here, and I think it was about six hours. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. That's quid pro quo right there. And just now we found out that a former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden received $900,000 for lobbying activities from Burisma Group, Ukraine's uh, RADA member. Durkic said, citing investigation materials. So the longer this drags out, where did that mo- come from? This is on a news report, and it's on several. We can pull that up, and I'll give you information. Mm-hmm. So the longer this drags out, the more this information, the actual facts, leak out. So if it is, if Speaker Pelosi has that strong of a case, then she she should move forward with it. Otherwise, it's just political theater, the same that we saw for two years during the Mueller investigation. Steve? Sure. Um, Well, three points. Uh,
4: First, I'm looking at a headline from USA Today about two hours ago. We talked with two dozen leaders and investigators in Ukraine. They all agree the claims against Joe and Hunter Biden are baseless, yet they persist. Second, I I think that the House is moving compared to its usual speed at, 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 at a really rapid clip toward this. You have to do responsible fact gathering an investigation, something that the White House has declined to participate in, but I think you know everybody i the see talking, already broke the law everybody I see talking about this expects articles of impeachment to be voted on, uh, if not by thanksgiving, then certainly by Christmas, so this is moving expeditiously third point i 'd like to make uh, the point that has been made in the White House Counsel's letter, and I think Representative Lucas has referred to it about that the Republicans or the president should get to cross-examine witnesses in the House This is not a judicial proceeding, but if we're going to analogize analogize, it to law enforcement, what the House is doing is the equivalent to what the police do or the FBI does or the local prosecutor does, gathering facts, interviewing witnesses. Many times uh, those take place behind closed doors. A grand jury proceeding is not subject to to a a cross-examination. The prosecutor gathers the information and then presents it. Where the cross-examination happens, where the president will have an opportunity to have his advocates present his side, is in the Senate. The Senate is where the equivalent of the trial happens. That is where due process is required. In the trial process, in the fact-finding process, the investigation process is different.
1: All right. I want to give our phone numbers again. 812 855 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at org. I want to bring Andy Downs in because we invited him. So Andy, <laughs> it's a pretty lively conversation we're having down here it in Bloomington. Is, it is. Uh, so I want to give you an opportunity to respond to any and all points that you've heard so far.
6: I'm actually going to go back to polling for just a moment if I could. Uh, it is One of the things that is making polling challenging these days, or two things I should actually say are making it challenging. Number one is technology. How do you actually get a hold of folks? Uh, you know, 15 years ago, a telephone survey was the gold standard, and it was easy to get a hold of people. Uh, today, it's a little more difficult because more and more people have uh, cell phones as opposed to landlines. So it is becoming a little more difficult from a technology standpoint to actually get people to participate. This is why online polling is becoming a more and more uh, valued and accurate form of polling. That's, that's the first thing I want to mention. The second thing is actually figuring out who is going to show up to vote, which gets to a broader question of who is included in the survey. When you do some polling and you poll the general population, you will get an answer. That's not necessarily the same answer you would get from a poll of registered voters, which may not be the same as a poll of likely voters. So when we look at, uh, when we look at polling results, we always have to be cautious and remember a few things. First of all, who was actually included in the poll. That I think is important. And then we have to remember also the margin of error. So for example, in 2016, uh, Clinton was projected to win Michigan, but the way president trump ended up winning michigan was within the margin of error so in other words the poll was right when you consider the margin of error it was wrong in terms of who it was projecting to win uh the state so i think those are a couple of things for us to keep in mind when we start talking about polling and and polling is a snapshot in time it's a piece of information uh it's not necessarily the way in which uh elected officials do or maybe even should be making decisions
1: so I know all of you come from a, a different perspective, you know you, your own um, areas of expertise. But I just want to ask you about this whole idea of impeachment. I mean, the the, the um, you know the the word, the the process, the uh, what it, what it could do to you know the American people. I guess I just want to get your your own sort of emotional feelings about. Um, you know, this process and and the pl- fact that we are at a place now where impeachment, at least going through the House, is a very real possibility. Steve Sanders, you want to?
4: Um- yeah, and I think it's always important to remember that, that impeachment is not the same thing as removal. Again, impeachment is the indictment, and then we have yet to see what happens at the actual trial. That's where the possible removal from office comes. Um, but I think part of this is we, we need to remember thinking about my bailiwick, the Constitution, and trying not to be emotional about this. Um, the, the, the framers who wrote the Constitution provided both for impeachment and for presidential elections every four years. Uh, they were aware that yes there is a process for replacing a president that didn't lead them to think that impeachment might not sometimes be necessary so this argument and, and and i with all due respect to congressman hamilton i detected almost a hint of that in his comments that well you know this is defying a democratic process this is defying uh, uh, possibly going against what happened with the election of a president well again the framers wrote themselves that, you know, yes, we have elections every four years, but there still is the possibility that the Congress may decide that the president warrants, impeach, warrants impeachment and removal from office. You can hold both of those thoughts in your head at the same time.
1: Uh-huh. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. I have. Uh, right.
2: <laughs> on one hand, it, it's sad, and I think for the American public, they just hate to see that much discord Uh, Some people are talking about this as a constitutional crisis, uh, as though the Constitution is breaking down. The founders built into it a conflict between the the executive and the judiciary. That is inevitable, and it happens every time. When you get to impeachment, it's really severe. But I think in some ways we can celebrate if, in fact, one believes that the president has done things that he shouldn't have done in asking a foreign government to intervene in our elections. And that's a big if. Uh, but, certainly, you can read the document that that the representative has here in front of us and see it that way, and he sees it otherwise but that if, if one read sees it, it for that way, if one sees it that way, uh, then we have to say, yeah, there should be some oversight, and the executive should exercise his power, and in doing so, we should celebrate it, not to say that it 's awful. we would not want to have a situation and and I don't know if even anybody really wants to buy the uh, president's interpretation of Article 2, in which he's above the law and cannot be investigated. Uh, and therefore, all of this is illegitimate. Uh, that's contrary to what the founders wanted. Is contrary to what I think most Americans would want in our separation of power system. So I th- I, right now, I think it's, it's uncomfortable. Uh, kind of ugly and partisan in some ways, but it's also a celebration of democracy working.
1: I have a quick housekeeping question, though. Articles of impeachment. Steve, can you describe what those might be? How many articles of impeachment might there be? And what, what does that mean exactly?
4: Well, it, it, it depends on, on the subject matter. I believe in Watergate, there were three, if memory serves. Okay. One was... Jr.: um, obstru- these like
1: charges? They're, th- just, th-
4: they're essentially... Yeah, I, I think the rough analogy, again, would be these are um, when the grand jury unseals an indictment or the prosecutor brings a charge against you, sometimes those charges have multiple counts. And they go by subject matter. So in Watergate, one of the charges was obstruction of justice attempting to cover up another uh, charge was contempt of Congress refusing to provide materials and cooperate with the investigative process and I forget the third I think it may have been something like abuse of power abuse of office
5: okay all right Uh, impeachment is a necessary tool obviously for a a, a president that goes against his constitutional oath but I I liken it to something like that axe you see behind a piece of glass on the wall it's you know break open only in case of emergency this is so far from from emergency and this is purely political there's nothing behind this absolutely nothing than other than the democratic party trying to make president trump look bad and they are failing miserably to anybody willing to be intellectually honest and use reason with this the transcript is out there it took me all of about 30 seconds to find it and pull it up and read through it okay joe biden's own words indict himself quid pro quo it's right there Okay the whistleblower broke the law in the process by which he brought this forward and he's going on hearsay. So for any rational human being to think that there's something here then I then I guess we are that far apart. But again I think President Trump he's he's begging Speaker Pelosi to bring this forward. But in in the same but he's not hiding anything. He simply wants a level playing field because seeing the manner with which she brought this impeachment process up in the first place that shows everybody right there there's no intent of playing fair or being right, and that's all he wants. He wants due process, which is afforded every person, every American citizen in the Constitution. Now, people are going to argue, well, it's not a legal formality. It's political. Well, okay, let's at least make it somewhat semblance of a fair playing field.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I have to ask, uh, you know, you use the term the whistleblower broke the law. How how, how would that be? I mean – and. You know, the whistleblower, whistleblowers, people who, you know,
5: bring charges against people in power. There's a process uh, pulled up from Daily Signal. It says the law expressly prohibits a whistleblower from going directly to Congress without first submitting a complaint to the inspector general, currently State Department veteran, Michael Atkinson. Okay, whistleblower went straight to Schiff, mm-hmm. you know, Chairman Schiff. So with, with hearsay evidence, and that right there <laughs> raises a ton of red flags. At this point, I think it's fair to say that the whistleblowers uh,
4: document that we've had so far is is all but irrelevant. As the representative said himself, the White House did did release the transcript of the call that was at the center of that. Now, we can read that for ourselves to determine what we draw from it. But another thing is that... Um, As trial lawyers know, you don't always rely just on one document because different people can read it different ways and draw different conclusions. You also look at the surrounding circumstances, at at how that document was treated and what else happened in the surrounding events around that document. So I think that is what the committees are spending their time investigating right now.
5: But until they file, I mean, formal, moving forward and making this an official process, this is nothing other than a low-grade clown show. And it's just a political hot mess that I think Speaker Pelosi has gotten herself into a corner in, and she's smart enough to realize that, that walk from here on out, it's going to be very, very dicey.
1: I've got I've got one phone call. But first, I want to go back to Andy Downs. I'm going to frame it this way, Andy, and you can answer my question, or you can react to anything that anybody else has said. I I just I'm, I'm I guess one of the things that I would just admit to being fearful that we're entering. We are so divisive now that we're entering a time where any elected president may be maybe have to face um, an impeachment inquiry if if he doesn't have both the House and the Senate on, or, or at least the House um, behind him or her. Uh, so
6: you're giving me the option of answering the question can, I want to answer, not the question that was asked? Yeah, right, right. Or right. what we all look for in life? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I'm giving you that option.
6: Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, As everybody has said, this is a political process. We know it's a political process. And if you go back a couple hundred years, you have Alexei de Tocqueville talking about political judgments and and, uh, legislative bodies passing judgment on, in this case, the executive branch. But uh, something that's interesting here is that uh, a lot of the discussion has focused on process, not necessarily on content. And I'm not saying that people don't have content to back up the position they're talking about, but there's been a lot of discussion of process. And one of the things that elected officials know is that if you talk about process, the public, A, gets confused and or stops paying attention because they don't care about process, uh, which in some respects serves the purpose of the person who's discussing process. Now, I say that only because the more the discussion is about process the less the discussion is about the content and when the the process is in some respects as vague as this one is and we can argue about whether it's vague or not that provides the opportunity to to turn the focus away from content to process and that that may end up serving people uh, quite well to get more directly to your question though Uh, we have seen in recent years certainly a movement toward uh, political parties uh, wanting to indict, and I use that term in some quotes, uh, presidents from the other party, whether it is, you can describe this as a political process here, or whether it's Mitch McConnell saying our number one job is to make sure that President Obama is not reelected. This is just the nature of the process, and at this point It is very polarized, but these things have a tendency to come and go in waves. Uh, And I think that more than likely we are probably getting close to the zenith and uh, the pendulum will start to swing back. Uh, Although, as I often say, I'm not very good at predicting things. I'm much better at explaining afterwards.
1: All right. Thanks. I want to go to Michael on the phone. We have a quick call. Michael, we have about two minutes. We have about two minutes to go. Michael?
3: Uh, This is for the president's Republican defender, who I just heard speaking. He mentioned the smell test as far as Joe Biden's action. There is so much corruption in countries in the world that the U.S. assists. There are demonstrations in the streets of Iraq and Egypt right now, peaceful demonstrators being arrested and shot for demonstrating against a great deal of corruption in those countries. Of all the countries in the world and all the examples is there a of corruption question? in the world, Sir, uh,
5: what's your question? Yeah.
3: Oh, my question is Does he think choosing your main political opponent to go after over allegations of corruption with all the other serious examples in the world passes the smell test for
5: Donald Trump? 30 seconds. Uh, this is based on the released unredacted document for everybody to read right there that's what this whole impeachment process is, is about um, in closing I would like to point out that we have an IU law professor here um, obviously precedent is a huge thing mm-hmm. okay what kind of precedent does this set moving forward when an anonymous whistleblower who disregards the established process takes hearsay evidence or hearsay something that he heard about to the speaker of the house And without any investigation whatsoever, that speaker initiates an impeachment process.
1: You have 15 seconds to answer that. Uh,
4: Uh, uh, Precedent is not relevant here because precedent refers to prior judicial decisions that determine the law for the next legal issue. Mm -hmm. The whistleblower's report and the the conduct of the whistleblower is all but irrelevant at at this point. The facts on which impeachment will or won't be based will be gathered by the committees and evaluated by the House. It was kicked off by the whistleblower's report, but the circumstances the surrounding that report just have no relevance to it. All right, we
1: are out of time. I'm sorry, we're out of thank time. You. I want to thank Steve <laughs> Sanders, Jim Lucas, Jerry Wright, uh, Congressman Lee Hamilton, and Andy Downs for being here with us today. Uh, four producers, Kathy Knapp, Bento Boutier, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thank you.
0: Is a production of WFIU Public Radio. A podcast of this program and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville, Fiber Internet, Streaming TV, Home Security, and Automation in Southern Indiana. More information at Smithville.com. And from the Herald Times, featuring coverage of local news, entertainment, and sports, in print at heraldtimesonline.com and on your mobile device. And from the Bloomington Health Foundation, partnering with local organizations and citizens to invest in programs that address our community's health needs. Bloomington Health Foundation, improving health and well-being takes a community. More at bloomhf.org.